Jimmy. Okay.
God. We've got a fun day ahead of us. Um, the kids are going to be doing a little kids program, and we're so proud of them. And um, But, you know, we're here to worship the Lord, right? So why don't you stand up and get ready to worship with us? And I will do my best not to harm these poinsettias today. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done for us, and we thank you that you announced your birth, your coming, with troops of angels that uh, were undeniable, uh, with a sign that was an undeniable sign to the shepherds who were the lowliest of people. And I thank you, Lord, that you reconciled us to yourself. You did it yourself, and we're so thankful, Jesus. We want to bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's, let's sing angels we have heard on high. I like this one. <laughs> if you guys get tired of us singing the same thing, I don't know what to say. Ah, <laughs> oh, we love you, Jesus. All right. It's in D. Angels, we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the
Jesus. Oh, we want to worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us sing. Um, oh, come, all ye faithful. If you want to look it up in your hymn books, you can do that. But our, uh, our sweet friend, Thomas, is helping us with the lyrics. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come, all ye
Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. I wanna Feliz wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Krista, Lisa, Stephanie, and Gary's helping us, and Aunt Audrey. So I, I, I love them all. Oh, my goodness. Praise the Lord. Um, all right. Well, let's sing It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. We will uh, be so happy that Krista is helping us today on this one, and I'm just so happy about it. So let's, let's do that.
Hallelujah, Lord. Well, Jesus, we are here to glorify you today. We want to bless you, Jesus. We want to lift you up, Lord. There is nobody like you, Jesus. And we thank you for all that you've done, Lord, but for who you are, who you are, Lord. Words cannot describe it, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus.
Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. You deserve all the glory. You're worthy of our praise. You deserve all the honor, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We lift you up, hallelujah, Lord, above every concern in our hearts, every concern that has plagued us this week. We bless you, Lord Jesus. You're ordaining our steps. You're healing that thing. You're providing. You're planning good and a good future for us, Lord. We thank you for those things. We bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Liz, why don't you come on up? Oh, for grace to trust him more. You may be seated. This is going to be a wonderful day. All of our Sundays are wonderful days, aren't they? But this is going to be especially wonderful because today is our kids' program. So if you didn't get that memo, it's wonderful that you're here today. It's going to be very special, and we're going to pray to anoint that. You know, sometimes we think, oh, this is a kids' program. That's cute. We'll get that over with, and then we'll have a real church. But that's not so. I'm telling you, the scripture that these kids have memorized, all of God's word is anointed. And the Lord says, my word will not return void. And if you allow him to, he will touch your heart and you can be changed. You can be changed. Even those of you that have been saved for, I don't know, 80 years, anybody that old here? I think I've covered everybody. I don't think anybody's that old. Even if you've been saved, I mean, I mean, old enough to be saved for 80 years is what I'm saying. I know some of you are older than 80. What I'm saying is God has something for you. Your life can be changed too because as we walk this Christian pathway, we get higher and higher and higher, more and more like him. That's what he wants. He wants us to become more and more like him, right? Has anybody attained that yet? Anybody, don't raise your hands, please. Anybody just like Jesus, if you think you are, don't raise your hand right now because you'll probably realize at some point that you're not. I remember some years ago when, when the Brownsville Revival was just starting and their kind of motto was, Lord, change me. And I was like, okay, so this was back in the, was that in the 80s? or That was in the 90s. Okay, so I was like, what was I, in my 30s? I said, okay, I'll bite. I don't know what you're going to change, Lord, but. This is where laughter comes in. Because <laughs> I said, I don't know what you're going to change, Lord. And I'll tell you what I found out. And I'm still changing to this day, thank God. Because every one of us need to be changed into his image and more and more like him. So the beautiful thing is we can be changed into his image. And he's the one that does the work let go and let God. He will do it. You know, I was thinking the other day, I mean, maybe some of you will, will understand this and some of you won't, and that's okay. You know, thinking, oh, Lord, I'm just not doing well in any area. Not doing good enough. Not doing perfect in any area. My housekeeping isn't good enough. My, my devotion time isn't good enough. <laughs> um, my, my weight is, is too much I don't eat good enough I, I don't do this I don't do this I don't do this I don't do this and then the thought came to my mind but 
there's one thing, one area where I'm doing really, really well. And that's in my relationship with God. Why? Because he is the foundation. And it's his righteousness in me. It's not my righteousness. Thank God. And because of that, and all of the other things that, that are his, I mean, the joy is his, the peace is his, the love is his, the kindness is his. All of that stuff is his that he gives us. We don't have to try to work it up. When you give your life to the Lord, your DNA changes. You are now a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are become new. And I'm telling you, you now have the world by the tail. Don't you dare say I'm only human anymore. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Spiritually, you are a child of the living God. And he has given you freely all things. And the word says that I am right now like him. Right now. That we are right now like him. None of... Chances are none of us are really seeing that when we look in the mirror. But if we will accept it and realize that we have his ability to walk in his love, his kindness, his everything, his righteousness. If we don't walk according to the flesh but walk by, in the spirit and by the spirit, then we can do everything according to his will. That doesn't, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. Because I guarantee you as we walk in this fleshly um, body, we will never be perfect but we will, we will be his, and we will walk with him, and everything will be new and wonderful. I want you to stand up with me this morning. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that you are enough. I want you to know that there's no super Christians who are better than you. I want you to know that the people who go to the mega churches are not better than you. I want you to know that, that the people who stand on the platform in this church or any other church or, or on TV or whatever, are not better than you. Every last one of us is what we are in the Lord because of him and because he lives in us. There's no junior Holy Spirit that you have to work into. When the Holy Spirit comes into you at salvation, you are everything that God wants you to be at that moment, and he just wants you to grow in him and be more and more like him. Why? Because he's a hard taskmaster. You better do better. No, it's because he loves you and wants you to be happy. That's why. He wants to change your life. He wants to change your family. He wants to change your circumstances. He wants to help you everywhere you hurt. He can heal you. Everywhere you don't understand what to do, he can give you guidance, and he will. And it's a thing that we walk out, not just day by day, but step by step, we trust him. Lord, we thank you so much for these truths that you're teaching us. We thank you, Lord, for your word that sheds light on every step that we take. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us and that you work through us and allow us to partner with you to do wonderful things in the earth. Lord, I thank you that in this very room, every last person is a world changer. Lord, I thank you that every last person has the ability in them to change everything in their circle of influence just by letting you guide, just by, just by relaxing and letting you be God. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. I ask you to heal every physical ailment this morning. 
If you have a physical ailment this morning, I want you to raise your hand. Some of you have your hands up in praise and in prayer, but raise your hand real good if you have a physical ailment. Father, you see these that have a need for a touch in their body this morning, and you honor their faith, Lord, and I declare healing over each one. In Jesus' name, we ask for it and we receive it, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, Lord. Somebody standing next to somebody with their hand up, put your hand on them. Even if you have your hand up, put your hand on somebody else. The Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In Jesus' name, I declare healing right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, I declare wisdom and direction and encouragement this morning for those that need it, Lord. For those that are watching um, on, on their televisions or their computers, I just declare everything that the Lord has for you this morning. Just because you're not physically here doesn't mean that you can't partake and enjoy every bit of healing, every bit of, of everything that the Lord has for you today. You are, you are here in spirit. And we just declare whether you're watching this today or in the future sometime, the wonderful things of God in your life in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that you have a wonderful plan for every one of us that you made before we were even born. Thank you, Lord, that you love us and you know us. You know how many hairs we have on our heads. Not that that matters, but that's, that's how deep it goes deeper than that even. You know everything about our DNA. You know everything about the cells in our bodies. You know everything about our ancestors. You know everything about our current family and our jobs and our circumstances. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every situation, that you would enter every difficulty, and that you would make things right as we trust you and walk it out with you. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint this children's um, presentation this morning. I pray that every heart would receive you, Lord. And I pray that you would anoint our pastor as he speaks, Lord, that every ear would hear and that we would leave this place never the same and that every time we get together, we would be a blessing to each other and to the world because of it. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So that woohoo, I have to tell you what that is because some of you are new today and don't, wouldn't know that. So we believe, not in our doctrine or anything, not, not, it's not an assembly of God thing. It's, it's kind of like a women's prayer meeting thing that, that we believe. That that's the angel's war cry. And we are, we are with, you know, we do things with angels helping us all the time. We never worship angels, never. But we, but we do work side by side with them. If you don't believe it, look in the Bible where it says that, that every one of us has a guardian angel that's with us. And, and, you know, there's a lot of things about angels in the Bible helping people. Just because they wrote about that doesn't mean those were the only instances. And you have angels with you today, probably people that do more need more angels. People that are a little bit crazy need more angels. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like there was a lot of angels with me today on a certain day, you know. Because I did things I wouldn't do if I thought about it again. God is good, and he is wonderful. So I wanted to tell you the woohoo thing, but I also want to tell you two more things. Number one, if you didn't notice when you came in the main entrance, there's a, a table there that's covered over with, with a red tablecloth. 
Underneath that tablecloth is some packages of cookies, some bags of cookies. We would like every person on your way out to please take a bag of cookies unless you don't want one. Okay, that is just our way to say we love you, Merry Christmas, and you're one of us. So thank you, everyone, for everything that you do for, throughout the year. Everybody does stuff. And we are so thankful for every last person. You are wonderful, and you, um, you are just an amazing um, representation of this church, and you're amazing friends to each other and to us, and we love you. The second thing that I wanted to say is children. All the kids look at me. Are you looking? You are now dismissed to go right outside that door and stay right there. Okay? God bless you all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Liz. We are looking forward to this, aren't we? It's so good to see so many here today. I'll just step over here and get my cheat sheet. Chris, it's good to see you. We see your family all the time, and it's good to finally see the head of the house. Praise the Lord. Hey, we have uh, Marjorie, your brother, is here. God bless you. And who? Oh, yeah, and Amy, yeah. So we got the family circle right there. Bless you guys. Thank you for being with us today. And then Larry from Ohio. Where's Larry? God bless you. Hallelujah. We love the northerners. Amen. How many are northerner, northern transplants? Look at there. See, you're not alone. And Violet. Where's Violet Logan? Violet, God bless you. Is that, is that your mama? Well, I didn't hardly recognize her with the mask on. Your grandma. Hallelujah. How are you back there? Haven't seen you in a long time. <laughs> and then, of course, Patty and Tom, where are they? I saw. We haven't seen you guys in ages and ages. How you been doing? Good. You still living here? You're, oh, you're, you're kind of like, you've turned into snowbirds? Okay. Well, we're ha it's so good to see you. Hallelujah. And then uh, Brother Perone's got his grandchildren with him today. It's uh, Emily and Daniel. They've been here before, but we're happy that you guys are back. That, that's, that's your grandkids, right, Brother Stephen? The third generation. Wow. Hallelujah. Hey, you know, I don't take visitors lightly. You guys could have gone anywhere and done anything, but you came here to be with us today, and we are honored that you're here. And we just salute you and bless you in Jesus' name that the Lord will just bless you, bless you, bless you, and give you favor. Hallelujah. So let's, let's do our declaration today. Are you ready? Let's find something and, and let's just bless it, lay hands on it, and watch God do multiplication. Now, for you that are relatively new to this, we've, we've been doing this declaration for quite a few years now. And I just want you to know that every single one of these things on the list today have been experienced at one or more time. Many, many of these things. Now, I, there's, you know, there's certain things that I don't know, I don't understand how they work, but I use them. You like that? Do you understand how your car works? No, but you enjoy driving it, right? And there's a lot of stuff. I don't understand why this declaration works exactly, but we've seen it work so much that if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? 
So somehow there's power in declaring things that God has given us creative power to do things. So when you make a declaration today, watch God go to work in your life. Amen? So find what it is. If you have your offering with you, whatever it is, let's just lay hands on it and bless it and speak over it. Now, I've got the list of visitors here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless you all. Amen? I'm going to speak this declaration over every one of you today. As we receive today's offering, I am believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, for raises and bonuses, for benefits, and salaries and commissions, for favorable settlements, for estates and inheritances, for interest and income, for rebates and returns, for checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, and blessings increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs, that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I release that to you all in Jesus' name today. Would you come and would you give in Jesus' name? While the young people are staging themselves, let's pray over this in Jesus' name. Father, we lift up these gifts now to you in the name of Jesus, and we speak and release your blessing over them. I pray, Lord, for divine multiplication and provision and favor upon your people. You have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor your seed begging for bread. So, Lord, we ask for increase and release of favor pressed down, shaken together, and running over 
that you'll supply our needs according to your riches. So, Lord, we speak blessing over everyone who has given today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.
each other. So if anybody wants to take pictures, parents, if you want to take a picture of the group, you got about two minutes to do that. <laughs> or how long, however long it takes. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't they so cute? Best group ever. Anybody wants to walk up closer, you're welcome to. Okay. Okay, hold on, everybody. That's right. Okay, good morning, everybody. Um, what we're going to do, our missionary for this month is Mary Jo Wiley, and she's with Church Development and Mobilization, and we have a tiny video uh, to show you what that's all about. Okay. last command to build a kingdom of disciples by mobilizing mobilizing into the city mobilizing into the nation mobilizing into the world at church mobilization we're here to see that become reality ministries right here right now in the united states many of these ministries however face barriers to mobilization struggling to build their facilities repair existing buildings, and develop for a changing future. But when these ministries become church projects with us, we coordinate volunteers and missionaries to help break down barriers to mobilization. Since 1986, RV volunteers have built and repaired churches, 
campgrounds, and all manner of ministry centers. They've been joined by teams from local churches on U.S. missions trips. Churches building churches. And the barriers continue to fall as development missionaries train and take ministries deeper into their communities with ever more advanced tools and techniques. The amazing volunteers and missionaries of church mobilization comprise just one of seven windows of the movement that is the Assemblies of God U.S. Missions. U.S. Missions is the strategic effort of the Assemblies of God to minister the hope of Jesus in every group and region in the United States, to build a kingdom of disciples, to fulfill the command of Christ. Whichever window opens, whichever avenue you take, mobilize for ministry today with church mobilization and U.S. missions. And our missionary is Mary Jo Wiley, and she's a part of this group. So uh, I just want to thank everybody for their missions giving. Last month, um, our November missions giving was $1,305, and we couldn't do it without you. Thank you. God bless. away and get our roof fixed, right? All right. Praise God. I saw all those volunteers and I said, bring them on quick. We're ready for them. How are you guys doing today? Praise the Lord. Can you believe that we are on the doorstep of Christmas? <clears throat> Next Sunday morning. Is Chris, am I feel like I'm leaving something out here? Am I leaving out something? It's just so good to be here. Let me tell you about next Sunday. We are going to have church on Christmas Sunday morning, but we're going to keep it to an hour, and we'll just have a, a small time where we'll sing some Christmas songs and, and have a chance so that you can, you can be out of here by 11 o'clock-ish and be able to spend the rest of the day with your families and Sunday night, we will not have a service because a lot of people want to have that day to themselves. In fact, our family is going to skedaddle out of town and spend the day with family too, okay? And then, but Christmas Eve, Saturday night, we will have a Christmas Eve candlelight and communion service here at 6.30, and we invite all of you to come and to just join us for an hour or so as we have our Christmas Eve time together. Amen. Hallelujah. So good to see everybody here. God is good. Jean's green tie is just, wow, that's amazing. <coughs> yes. The, somebody told me the other day there's a term called CEO. Do you know what a CEO is? Chief Executive Officer. Well, I, I heard it was said this way. Christmas, Easter, and what? Oh, Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how some people come to church, isn't it? <laughs> but that's okay because you're a CEO. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful. 
for your outpouring of goodness upon us and your you, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. You've been poured out to give us power to be witnesses. You have been poured out to be our comforter. Jesus saw the significance and the importance of his leaving so that you could come. So if it was that important, then Holy Spirit, we want your presence like nothing else. So, Lord, I pray for your divine invasion of this place today. Just fill this place with your glory. We thank you for this time of year when we celebrate the gift from heaven, the word become flesh. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, we thank you, thank you. You're so good <clears throat> and so faithful to us. We just welcome your presence here <clears throat> and your divine <clears throat> anointing upon our ears and upon our hearts and upon our mouths as we speak your word today. May it be an anointed word that's not just a homily or a nice gathering but a powerful word from heaven for us today. Lord, we need a word from heaven today. So Holy Spirit, speak to us. Invade this place with your glory. May we not go from here the same way as we came in. May we come to you like little children, not afraid to approach your throne of grace, not afraid to test out what you have in store for us. Lord Jesus, fill this place with your glory. Fill our lives with your glory in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do you all, any of you remember when you were in a little Christmas program like we just had? How many remember back in the olden days? Thank you, John. How many remember back in the olden days when you could actually be involved in something like that? Do you remember how you felt then? Maybe I don't remember quite so much how you felt, but you remember how you feel now when you see this, don't you? And weren't you blessed by it? Weren't you blessed by just the innocence of it and the, and the raw, just beauty of it? Amen? Now, they, they don't know that they blessed you. They just came up here and, and enjoyed themselves or whatever. Some of them may not have even wanted to be here, but... You, they blessed you, didn't they bless you? I, and I'm just blessed every time I see that. And back in the olden days when you did that, you blessed some people too. You didn't even know you were being a blessing, but you blessed them. There were some old geezers sitting in the crowd while you were up there, and you blessed their hearts and didn't even know that you did it. Now you're the old geezer, and you got blessed. Amen? <clears throat> Listen, I can talk. I can talk about old geezers, right? Liz and I were sitting in the, in the Five Guys. Have you ever been to Five Guys? We're sitting in Five Guys having a hamburger and a milkshake. And in walked a group of maybe eight or ten old guys. They must have been, I don't know, golfing that day or whatever they were. And in comes all these crotchety little old men, and they sat down to have a hamburger on the other side. And I said to Liz, man, there's so many old people in this town. It's just, I mean, look at, look at all these old guys. And she looked over at me, and she said, they don't look any different than you. <laughs> <coughs> I 
And I thought to myself, well, now that wasn't very nice to say. <laughs> but then I went home and I looked in the mirror and sure enough, <laughs> they were my peers. <laughs> oh, man. But old age doesn't, you know, we still feel pretty young inside. In fact, I don't even know what I want to be when I grow up. How many of you know what you want to be when you grow up? You, some of you do, some. I'm still waiting to grow up. But anyway, the reality of it is we need to, we need to just enjoy these, this season that we're in. You know, God's got something good for this season. When, when he says, uh, your leaf will not fither, wither and whatsoever you do, you'll be prosperous in your season. That doesn't mean you just have one season where you're prosperous. You go through seasons and they repeat themselves. Amen. And this season that you and I are living in right now ought to be a fruitful season. We will bring forth fruit in our season. Fruitfulness. <clears throat> I want to be fruitful in every season. <clears throat> this week was a great week. How many of you got the debris cleaned up in front of your house yet? <clears throat> How many have not had the debris cleaned up? Your day's coming. We had, <clears throat> we had our day this week where they cleaned up the debris. But, you know, I noticed as they were picking up the debris, there was one old dead tree laying in the middle of all that stuff, and it had sprouts coming out of it. It just refused to die. It was cut down, and it was laying there, but it was growing new shoots. And I thought, if I knew what to do or how to reward that poor tree I'd give it a second shot but of course I don't know anything about trees I don't I'm not Johnny Appleseed or nothing but I did learn a lesson and that is I don't care what season you're in you can still be fruitful even if you're a tree in the ditch you can still be fruitful in Jesus name I don't know what kind of tree that was it was a wonderful tree but that's the kind of tree that I want to be hallelujah we're not going to go down easy Amen? Are you going to just give up and roll over? No, sir. By the grace of God, I want to die with my boots on. I, I guess I'll have to start wearing boots then, won't I? <coughs> so if you start seeing me wearing boots, then you know I'm probably, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to wear boots, not for a long time. Hallelujah. Well, let's see, there's something else I wanted to tell you. I can't remember what it is. But if I think about it, I'll just interrupt myself, all right? Well, now here's a wonderful, ver a wonderful book to go to for a Christmas, Sunday before Christmas sermon. <coughs> the book of Job. How do you like that? Let's go to the book of Job. <laughs> Because, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in the book of Job. How many of you have ever felt like you've been living in the book of Job? Yeah, I bet you have. Well, I want to I show you something about f this fellow Job, because in chapter number 1, it says here, verse number 8, Jesus, God is talking to the devil, and he's, he's bragging God is bragging about his people. 
And I want you to understand something here. Do you know that God really loves you and he likes to brag about you? Now, you all, some of you had, where'd that come from? I don't know, that's a toothpick wrapper. We don't need that. God brags, you brag about your grandkids, don't you? Some, did you see all the people up here taking pictures? They're bragging about their kids up here because they were wonderful kids. God, if, if you do that with your children, what do you think God thinks about you? He likes to brag about you. And he brags about you to his enemies. And he was bragging to the devil about Job. That's how much God loved Job. He was bragging about him. And he says in verse number 7, have you considered my servant Job? Now, you, I want to tell you something here. In the Old Testament, there, there's an evolution. I don't know if I told you this before. If I did, just chalk it up to old guys repeating themselves. But, you know, in the Old Testament, God referred to his people as servants. But then they moved from servanthood to where Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Amen. Abraham was a friend of God. That's better than a servant, right? But then, you know what? God moves us even further than that because he, Jesus says, beloved, now we are the sons of God. So we've moved from servanthood to friendship to sonship. Hallelujah. And then... Then you get to toward the end of the book, and he begins to talk about the church as the bride of Christ. That's even beyond friendship, isn't it? And then we read in the book of Revelation where it says, The wife hath made herself ready. Hallelujah! We're not servants. We're not even friends. We're not even uh, sons. We're not even a bride. We are the wife. Talk about closeness of relationship. Now, I know that's hard for some guys to talk about, you know. But girls have been having to deal with that all the time when we call them sons. So I guess if they can deal with being called a son, then you guys can deal with being called a wife. It's, I mean, it's, I don't know how you work that. But God's, what God's trying to do is he's trying to illustrate the closeness of relationship. In fact, Jesus goes so far to say this. He says, Father, that they may be one even as we are one. Is that closeness or what? That's closeness. That's, that's not even, that's better than being in relationship with somebody. That's being that person. Amen? But anyway, he's talking about, he's talking to Satan and he says, Have you considered my servant Job? Now, if God feels this way about his servants, how do you suppose he feels about those who he desires to be one with, even as he and the Father are one? But he says this. Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him in, in the earth. He is a perfect and an upright man. God sees perfection and he sees uprightness or righteousness he's a perfect and an upright man one who fears or honors God and escheweth or avoids evil <clears throat> now way back before Calvary way back before the 
the law, way long before Moses. I don't know when it was that Job lived. Some people say that Job was probably a contemporary or in the same generation of Moses. That's about the earliest people can speculate. They, it's said that Job is the oldest book in the scriptures, and, and probably that's true, uh, because Abraham didn't write any books, did he, that we're aware of. The one who wrote the first five books was Moses, so that was some time after. But way back then, God had people who loved him by faith, just like Abraham. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a church to go to. But he believed in God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Hallelujah. We've got a lot more to put our feet on, don't we? Aren't you glad we have this book? Because there's stuff in here that really helps us. Somebody had the presence of mind and the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to write it down, and we can live by it today. What a wonderful thing. But even back then, those people didn't even have what we have. We've got stuff that we just, we just take, take it for granted, you know? Don't, don't you just love what we take for granted anymore? I was in the shower feeling that nice, warm water in the shower, and I'm thinking, you know, this is something that I just expect every day. I just expect it. I turn the light on. I expect the room to light up, you see. I expect air conditioning. I complain when, I, when the power goes out. But there was a day, I was just thinking, my grandmother came to this country in 1922. That was 100 years ago. Unbelievable. Already 100 years. So my family's been in this country for at least 100 years. You see? Some of them came in, in 19, I think, five or six, 195 or six. So that's over 100 years. I'm only second generation born here. But in that period of time, look at what we consider to be normal and what we expect. Amen? We just expect it. If, if our Internet isn't turned on in a certain few days after the hurricane, we start, we start fussing about it. Internet? Give me a break. Do you, do you know, I've got some letters that my, one of my grandmothers wrote to her father in Brazil, and it took three months for the letter to get back and forth. That meant that they could talk twice a year. Actually, once a year, because by the time one of them wrote a letter, it took three months to get there. This one would read the letter and write back. It takes three months to get back. They only could talk once a year. Now, you guys got FaceTime. <laughs> and we get upset when it doesn't work. We just expect what in one generation would have been considered a supernatural miracle. It would have been like the Jetsons or something. You remember the Jetsons? And now we just expect it to be so. You know, I can't help but think, I can't help but think that that has... You know, the Bible says first the natural and then the spiritual. Do you suppose it could be true that there's a lot more in the supernatural that we should be experiencing and that we should be considering to be normal, but we just haven't gotten to that place yet? We, 
We now live a life in the flesh that is supernatural compared to 100 or even just 1,000 years ago. We live a supernatural, natural life. Actually, we live a supernatural life. But, brothers and sisters, there is still a supernatural. And what God considers normal, he says, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God wants you to get to a place where you just live a lot more naturally than you're living right now. We, we settle for so much less. Amen? I, that grandma I told you about that came in 22, I still remember her leaning over the deep sink in the basement, scrubbing her clothes on the washboard. Can you imagine doing that, ladies? Can you imagine that? Well, some of you might be able to imagine that. That would be unthinkable. If I told my wife she needed to wash clothes on the washboard, she'd tell me to take a hike. I want a washing machine, right? Of course you do. Because it's natural. It's normal. Why in the world would you spiritually settle for a washboard when God wants to give you something that's a whole lot better than that? You ought to be able to turn on the washing machine and go drive off and do something else while the machine does the work for you. But so many of us spiritually want to still be living with a washboard. Why in the world would you do that? God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Why don't you start thinking the way I think? Hallelujah! But we sit around and we whine and we bellyache and we ask God to do stuff that he just says, Turn the machine on and let it do the work for you. I've already provided for you. I gave you a calvary. I took the stripes for your healing. Why don't you just appropriate what I've already given you? Now, you understand, that's living by faith. You know, that's living by faith. You are living by faith. You're sitting on a chair. You have no idea that that who made that chair. You don't even know if all the screws are tight in it. But you just came in and you plunked yourself down in it and you sat down by faith. You trusted in somebody that built something that you don't know anything about. I could have gone around here last night and loosened all the screws up for all you know. <laughs> Sit real careful. No, I didn't do that. <clears throat> but you see, God wants us to be people who live by faith and just trust God. Job was a guy who feared the Lord. And he was considered by God perfect. And, and then, now watch something. Satan's response to this was very revealing because he revealed something about God that was true about Job, but it's also true about you and me sitting in this room right here today. Here, look at, look at verse number 9. God says, oh, yeah, but God, do you think he's doing that? just on his own or is he is he doing it for nothing or is he doing it because of something that you did for him but job didn't know what god was doing for him job had no clue he just he just loved that god loved him and you know you don't know what god thinks god you know what god thinks about you but you know he's taking care of you behind the scenes right now he's taking care of you behind the scenes and watch how he's taking care of you. The same way he took care of Job. This is what God is doing for you today. And you don't even know it. 
Satan says, because Satan was even, Satan was aware of how God takes care of his people. He says in verse number 10, you have put a hedge about him. A hedge is not just something for beautification, but a hedge is like a wall or a protective, a protective uh, barrier. You see that? There's, there are hedges that God has put about you that the devil can't get through them. I don't know what, the, what it is that the devil can't stand, but he can't stand hedges that God puts around you because when God puts a hedge around you, that means the devil can't get through that hedge. I don't know what it's made out of, but it's something that's so prickly and awful to the devil that he doesn't want to go through it. He can't go through it. He can't jump over it. He can't dig underneath it. And God's put a hedge around his people. Hallelujah. I am a, I've got a hedge around me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And the devil, he can put that in his pipe and smoke it. Because God's got a hedge around you and around me. And the devil knows that. And he says, it ain't fair. You're protecting him. And watch this. You've put a hedge around him on every side. And around his house, too. So you've got a hedge around yourself and around your house. And all that he, all that you have. You've got a hedge around your house. You've got a hedge around your dog and your cat. <laughs> well, do you have a dog and a cat? Then, you know, do you, do you know that I've seen this. This, is, this was not in my notes, all right? But I have actually prayed for my pets, and they've gotten better. Now, I can't find a scripture verse for that anywhere in this book. Well, maybe I just did. Maybe I just did because God puts protection around everything that you have. If you care about it, he cares about it. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I got a picture of one of my grandpas sitting on a old, uh, an old tractor. Now, some of you that know about tractors, I should show you the picture, and you can tell me about the tractor. I think it was called a Fordson. Anybody know about a Fordson tractor? Back in the, must have been made by Henry Ford. Anyway, he was plowing with that tractor. Now, Grandpa was a kind of a guy who was a, he was a believer, but he was just a simple man. He didn't know. In fact, his dad was a pretty simple man, too. He didn't know that you're not supposed to pray for certain things, and you're supposed to pray for certain things. He just prayed for everything. And he didn't know. Like my grandpa, my grandpa, when he was under five years old, he died. He was a, what they call a waterhead baby. What are they, ant, something syphilide? What's that called? Hydrocephalus or whatever. He had, he had that and he had scarlet fever and some other stuff. And, and his, his head swelled up and he was kind of retarded and he couldn't talk real well. And, he was, and, and so finally he died. He literally died before he was five years old. And my grand, his dad, my great-grandpa, didn't know. He was just a new believer. He had just gotten saved. He was orphaned, and he just got saved. He didn't know any, any better. So he took his dead boy, and he said, God, like Abraham, I gave you my son. Well, you, you accepted Abraham's gift of his son. What's wrong with me? Why don't, wh why are, why don't you like my son? Why did, you have to, why, did you have, why did he have to die? Now, he, he was not a theologian. He didn't know anybody. He didn't know you're supposed to not talk to God like that. 
And, he, and so he was, he was challenging God, and he's saying, if this is my son, I gave you my son, and you've rejected my gift, and, and, he, and you allowed him to die. What, you know, and he, he challenged God. Do you know what? God raised that boy from the dead. And if he wouldn't have raised that boy from the dead, I wouldn't be here talking to you today because I'm his grandson. Now, he didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. He just did it. And my grandpa that had the forge and tractor, the one who was raised from the dead, that boy, he didn't know any better. And one day he was out plowing in the field and his tractor pooped out on him. I don't know what the problem was. And he didn't know any better, but he, he got off the tractor and he laid hands on the thing. Not on the manifold, obviously. He laid hands on the thing and he prayed for it. And then he climbed back on and it started up and it never quit to the day he, as long as he had it. Have you ever heard of God healing a tractor in your life? Well, you just did. You see, because God wants you to live in a place that's way outside of all of your spiritual um, confinements that you give it. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Now, you see, that's... Am, am I giving you a little bit of hope and, and inspiring your faith a little bit? Well, that's what I want to do for a particular reason. Now watch, I've got to hurry up here. He says, you've protected on every side. And, in verse number 10, you have blessed the work of his hands. Hallelujah. You know, God wants to bless everything that you do with your hands. Everything, you ought to have the Midas touch. You know what the Midas touch is? Hallelujah. Everything you touch turns to gold. Well, I don't want my steak to do that, you know. Because I want to eat the thing, right? But God wants to bless the work of your hands. Lord, I pray right now. How many want the works of your hands blessed? Lord, I pray that you will bless the work of our hands in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 I received that. And his substance is increased in the land. I could use some of that too, couldn't you? Hallelujah. Well, now you know what? I think God's gone to meddle, and he's got a prosperity preaching thing going on here in the Old Testament. Praise the Lord. Well, David said it. Whatsoever you do shall prosper. Didn't he say that? We all want prosperity until we see the other guy getting it. And then we say, well, wait a minute. See? Prosperity is a good thing, except when the other guy is prospering. You ought to... You ought to praise the Lord when you see your brother prospering. Amen? And then Satan does something here. He also revealed his hand again when he did this. He said, if you remove everything that you do for him, he will curse you to your face. Do you know what Satan's greatest, one of his greatest desires to do is, is to remove your faith. Because he knows that without faith, it's impossible for you to please God. And so if he can destroy your faith, he can bring you to a place where God isn't pleased with you and you aren't pleased with you. Do you understand? A lot of us are going through a lot of, as the Germans would say, a lot of schmutz. We're going through a lot of problems in the world right now, in your personal life and in the world. And do you want, you want to know what the purpose of all of that is? It's Satan trying to destroy people's faith in God. Because he knows if he can get people to not trust God, 
he thinks that people then will curse God. And God, he, Satan does not want to see God get the glory. So he will do everything he can. He, he will do everything to, he can to try to get your faith destroyed. Go to the book of, go to the book of First uh, Timothy real quick. First Timothy, and <coughs> verse number chapter number two. And verse, well, let's start. Uh, let's start with verse number seventeen. All right, we're jumping into the middle of a conversation that the apostle Paul is having with a young fellow named Timothy. Paul is trying to give some counsel to this young man who is just going into the ministry, and he is. He, he, so th that's what this whole First and Second Timothy thing is about. So we're jumping into the middle of a conversation that Paul's having with Timothy. And he says this. Now, verse 17 of chapter 2. Unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. See, that's who God is. Oh, we could talk about that for a little while. God is... You don't, listen, you don't have to waste your time fighting the devil. Do you understand that? The devil has absolutely no power over you unless you give it to him. Because greater is the one who's in you than he that's in the world. And brothers and sisters, if you can, if Satan can do anything to remove that confidence with you, from you, then he's got, uh, he's like the camel getting his nose under the tent. And as soon as the camel gets his nose under the tent, forget it. It's all bets are off. He's going to go all the way in. The whole camel's going to end up there in a minute. He's not just satisfied with what's in here. No, it's like, get this. I'm going to go in there, see. Don't ever let him get his nose under the tent. Don't let doubt enter into your life at all. Satan wants to inject just a little bit of doubt. Don't even take, don't even accept just the tiniest notion of it. So, now unto the king, king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies. What are prophecies? Prophecies are words that God has given you, whether it's encouragement, whether it's exhortation, uh, or or maybe it's even a prophetic word about what God wants to do for you in the days to come. Whatever it is, it's the word of God over your life. A prophecy to you is God's word spoken over you personally. Understand that? It's a personal word of God for you. And do you understand that this book is a nice book to read generally, but God has specific promises that he's spoken over each and every one of you in this room today. Hallelujah. And, and you know what? You don't have to take this book generally. You can take this book personally. You can take the promises that are in this book, and they are applicable to you. If I just think that the Bible is general, then it's to nobody. Right? If I think it's general, then I think it's to everybody. But I may not even think it's to you because I don't think it's to me. This book is about every single person sitting in this room today personally. As if you were the only one in this room, this book is for you. Hallelujah. So, oh, the page flipped on me. 
So Paul says to Timothy, the prophecies that are spoken or the word of God spoken over your life. Can I take, take your finger and just keep it in that book? And I want you to go flip over with me to... Uh, Well, let's see. It's in here somewhere, and I don't just don't remember where I put it. Uh, when the Bible's talking about the sower and the seeds, where is that? Is that in? Oh, it's in the book of Mark, I think. Yeah, it's in Mark chapter 4. Go to Mark chapter 4. I'm not done. I'm not done with 1 Timothy yet, okay? I'm going back there. But I want you to go to Mark chapter 4 and verse number... Um, 14, the sower sows the word of God. Now, I'm jumping into the middle of a parable again because Jesus is talking about the sower who sows seed in a field, and then some of it lands on stony ground, some of it lands in the thorns and the, all of this kind of stuff. Okay, remember that story about the sower? I don't want to take the time to go into it because I'm running out of time. But what he's doing, then he goes and he translates this, and he says that the seed that was sown is the word of God. Okay, the word of God is like what Paul was telling Timothy about. It's a personal prophetic word over your life. And when God speaks a, a word, a prophetic word over your life, I want you to understand something. And this has been happening since the Garden of Eden. It's been happening since Job because the, it says in verse 14, the sower sows the word. But now jump to verse number 15 because it says, Satan cometh immediately. As soon as I'm speaking these words to you today, because I'm speaking a prophetic word over you today, a word of faith, a word of encouragement, a word of dynamic capacity that's in your life, immediately the devil's going to come and try to steal that word from you. That's the kind of a shyster that he is. Excuse my English. But that's what it, I'm going to call him what he is. He immediately comes to steal that word. I can't tell you how many times I get up here and I preach to you on Sunday. And immediately the following week, Satan tries to, tries to challenge me on what I've spoken to you about. Because it's truth. And he doesn't like truth. He is a liar and he's the father of lies. And what God says is true. And he says what God's word is true and let every man Everybody else is a liar compared to God's truth. Hallelujah. So immediately, you can bank on it. The old slewfoot's going to try to challenge the truth that's spoken over your life. And he's going to do it in all kinds of different ways. It talks about those different ways. Now go back to Timothy. Because Paul's telling Timothy, the word that was spoken over your life, Satan's going to do whatever he can to try to challenge God's prophetic word over you. This charge, verse number 18, 1 Timothy, chapter number 2, verse 18. This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies of the word of God, which went before you, that thou be, that, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. The prophetic, prophetic, prophetic words that God has spoken over your life, are for, so that you can be victorious in every battle that you encounter. Hallelujah. Now watch, it keeps on going. He says, 
holding faith and good conscience. You see, <clears throat> the word of God spoken over your life is the word that generates and cultivates faith. Because when God says something, it goes against the natural. It goes against the common, ordinary, natural kinds of things. It is a word that is there to generate faith in your life. So much so that when your tractor kicks the bucket, you pray for it and it gets healed. See, that's faith. But, but the devil wants you to, the devil always comes and says, oh, come on, you're not, you can't do, well, they, oh, what's that guy talking about? See, this is how the devil works. He's going to always come, and he's going to try to challenge. It says, watch this, hold fast, fast your faith. A holding fast, faith, and good conscience, which some having put away faith have made shipwreck. You know what happens when the devil can get you to put your faith aside and say, eh, that's all good talking, those are good homilies, that's all, you know, positive thinking stuff, but doesn't re the, the real world doesn't work that way. You know what happens when you start listening to those kind of lies? You're going to make a shipwreck out of your life. You're going to make your, it's, he says here, holding fast faith and good conscience, which some having put away, Faith, put away concerning faith, have, have made a shipwreck. If you put away faith, if, if the devil is successful in trying to separate you from your faith in God, your life will become a shipwreck. And a lot of people's are. A lot of people are living a shipwrecked life because they don't believe in God anymore. They've been discouraged. Too many things have gone wrong, and they've given up on the Lord, they've put aside their faith. And that's the that's a one good way to get into a shipwreck situation. Go to the book of Mark again with me. And this time I want you to go to chapter number um, where it's talking about Jesus out on the, on the sea with the with the uh, disciples. Is it 435? Thanks, Thomas. That's one good reason why I. it's important to print your notes and give it to the guy in the back so he can help you when you drop the ball. All right, 435. Now, here's the deal. Jesus is out with his disciples, and, uh, and then he, he's getting ready to go. He wants to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee with the disciples. So this is God's word. Watch it. Verse 35. The same day when evening was come, Jesus said to them, let us pass unto the other side. So this was God's, this was Jesus' desire. This was his prophetic word. We're going to the other side. Now when Jesus says something and he intends to do something, Guess who's going to try to mess up those plans? Now, when Jesus says to you, brothers and sisters, you and I are going to the other side, you can count on it that the devil's going to try to keep you from getting to the other side. Amen? And he's told you that you're gonna, he's going to take you someplace. He's given a prophetic word over your life. I'm going to 
I'm, you're not going to be in this position forever. We're going on to a different place. We're going to move forward. We're going to get to the other side. And immediately, when God, when Jesus, that's his prophetic word. When Jesus says something, it's going to happen. But guess who's always there immediately to steal the word? Satan is there immediately to steal the word. Just like he told God to Job. If you, can, if you just remove your hand to him, he'll curse you. He's trying to remove faith. And Satan did everything he could to try to get Job's faith in God to waver. And Job didn't waver in his faith. He never wavered in his faith. He believed in God. He said, even though worms destroy my body, yet will I trust in him. Are you ready to get to that place? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In my flesh I shall see God. He, he was so confident that he said, I don't care what happens to me if worms eat me up and I'm nothing but a pile of dirt, yet I know I don't have anything to prove it. I don't have any word of God to stand on, but I know that somehow or another in my flesh I'm still going to see him, even though it dissolves away into dirt, yet somehow that flesh is going to get raised up and in my flesh I shall see God. You're going to see God in your flesh, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, the cemeteries are full of people. But I'm telling you, there's a resurrection coming. There's a resurrection coming. <laughs> and there's a resurrection coming for you, too. God's going to raise up your flesh. You know that? Oh, my goodness. One day, you and me, we're going to look at each other, and we're all going to be buff and beautiful. Because God's going to resurrect us into our prime, even better than we were at our prime. Hallelujah. There's a guy who is a, who is a uh, oh, what kind of a scientist was he? His name was Tipler. You can look him up if you want to Google it. His name is Tipler. He's not a believer. He's a, he's a, in fact, I think he's an atheist. He's one of these guys that believes in like... Um, He's one of these scientists that believe, not in th not thermonuclear dynamics, a physicist or something like that, you know. I, I'm not a scientist, so I don't even know what they're called. He's some kind of a physicist or something like that. His name was Tipler, and he, he's not a believer. He, in fact, you know what, he's, Christians have picked up on one of his quotes and it's making him mad because he published it in one of his books, and a lot of Christians have found it and now are quoting him, and he's kind of ticked that the Christians are quoting him out of his book. But he said this, in he, all of his scientific <coughs> discoveries, he has determined that everything in the universe is destined for a resurrection. That's how he said it. Everything is destined for a resurrection. Now, how can an unsaved, ungodly person come to that kind of a conclusion? Why? Because you know what? It's a law of the universe. That it, but this book told us that a long time ago, and we didn't even need to be smart to know it. All we had to do is read it and believe it. You are destined for a resurrection. Hallelujah! Someday I shall be like him. Someday like him. Change to heavenly beauty when his face I see. Someday I shall be like him. Someday like him. Hallelujah, that wonderful promise he gives.
to me. Those, you know what? It's really good to know some of those old songs. When you get down, they come back to your mind. And <coughs> these poor, this poor younger generation, they just don't have it, you know. But they have their own thing. God's got something for them that's just as good as he did for us old guys. <coughs> so God gives a, Jesus gives a disciple a word. He says, we're going to the other side. And guess what? No sooner does he speak the word and say we're going to the other side, but verse number 37 pops up and says, there arose a great storm of wind and waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Soon as God gives you a word, then bada bing, bada boom, comes a big storm into your life. <clears throat> and brothers and sisters, there's a lot of you sitting in this room today that God's given you a word, you've been encouraged, like, like the words you're getting right now. You're encouraged, and then Satan's going to throw a storm into your life. Ha! He thinks he's going to defeat you. Because God said... We're going to the other side. The devil says, oh, no, you're not. I'll throw an obstacle in your way. I'll throw a storm in there. I'll fill your boat with water. Now, boats full of water are not good. Let me tell you. I had one guy tell me with my boat, he says, if it ever fills up with water, just make it go real fast and pull the plug out of the back and the water will rush out. And I said, oh, I ain't taking that chance. I don't know. My motor doesn't go that fast <laughs> some people have great advice don't they so you do that in your boat I'll bail it or something but I'm not pulling the plug if the plug's in there buddy it's staying in there till I get it up on the trailer I'm glad I didn't listen to that guy so there was a storm that arose and you know what the disciples their faith was challenged they began to they began to doubt what Jesus said. Jesus said, we are going to the other side. No ifs, ands, or buts, right? So what if there's a storm? Do you know where Jesus was while this was going on? Look at this. Verse 38, he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Mind you, the boat's filling up with water, and Jesus is on a pillow. Soggy? Probably. But he slept through it. Somebody said, you will never have victory over a storm you can't sleep through. <laughs> sleep through your storm. I, I heard my son talking about a testimony about Reinhard Bonnke. He was in some country in Africa, and all the witch doctors in town came and surrounded his hotel. And all night long, they danced around that hotel, and they start putting curses on him. They stripped themselves naked, and they were all these witch doctors were naked going around the hotel putting curses on Reinhardt. And he woke up in the morning, and he heard the commotion outside his window. So he pulled the blinds apart, and he saw all these naked witch doctors going around the hotel. So he opened up his window. Now, see, some people would have been afraid and said, ooh, we better call all the prayer partners and tell them to fast and pray. The witch doctors are. But you know what Reinhardt did? He opened up the window, and he said, good morning. I had such a good sleep, and I feel sorry for you because you've been up all night working so hard. 
<laughs> See, that's, that's how you got to be with the devil. Call his bluff. So you've got a boat full of water. So the storm is there. But Jesus is fast asleep. And the, but the disciples, their faith, Satan had sucked their faith out of them. See? And they woke Jesus up and they said to him, he, they, they said to him in verse number 38, Master, don't you care that we're about to perish? You see, they're afraid of dying. He's sleeping. Isn't that something? Do you know why God said out of heaven, Behold, this is my, be my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God said that about Jesus. You know why he was well pleased in him? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. So Jesus had a lot of faith because he pleased God. He would sleep when there was a storm raging. So finally, Jesus gets up and he says, <coughs> okay, you guys. He, he gets up and he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You see, when the devil can steal your faith, he can steal your victory. Don't let him have your faith. You believe through the middle of the storm. You know what Jesus did? He said three words to the storm. He talked to the storm. That's why I say so many times to you guys, don't tell God about your problems. Tell your problems about God. And God, Jesus said to the problem, peace, be still. And immediately the storm ceased. And in one of the other gospels it says, they were at the other side. Brothers and sisters, you've got to have simple childlike faith. Don't be afraid of anything. Somebody comes and sets a microphone up in front of you, and all the people are watching you, and these ones are telling you not to, and even the boss is telling you. You come up here and go, hey. <laughs> <coughs> I know who I am. Hallelujah. I'm not encouraging you to do that. I'm just saying that you need to be fearless and bold in the way you trust in God. Amen? I'm not saying you should disrupt stuff and stuff like that. But let's, let's trust in God and trust his word. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to stop because it's noon. But I had a few more scriptures, didn't I, Thomas? <coughs> now, I didn't tell you anything that wasn't in the book, did I? I just read you the book. I jumped around, but I just told you it was in the book. And you know what? It's for you. It's for each and every one of you. God has spoken a personal word. Now, immediately the devil is going to come and try to steal that word. But the, the word is the incorruptible word of God. Do you understand that? Oh, I wish I could give you some more of the verses because there's, it's, it's this, this, is, this is the word. It's, anyway, we're going to stop. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that by the power of your Holy Spirit, this incorruptible seed will enter into our hearts and into our souls, and we will walk in the victory of it, and we will not listen to or fall uh, victim to the lies of the devil in our life. But we're going to trust in you, Father. We're going to believe in your word. Hallelujah. Now. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Surely goodness and mercy 
shall follow you all the days of your life, and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You shall bring forth fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither, and whatsoever you do will prosper. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, unto him who is able to keep you from falling and who is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and honor and dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah! You're victorious now? All right, then go in victory and go in triumph. Bless each other, and we will see you tonight at 6.30. God bless you.